This is what the Bible says. They overcame the devil by the word of their testimony and the blood of Jesus. The word of their testimony. And it's confessing what Jesus has done in your life. And so this morning, we're going to continue. We've got a couple who are going to come, Maria and Jim. Yeah, let's give it up. We're going to give them, we're going to ask them the hard questions, the easy questions, the confronting questions, and they're not going to hold back because they're going to tell us all about Jesus. Welcome, guys. It's good to have you. Uh, mine's Hello. on. One, two, yeah, you're yep. on. And Hello. you are on. Excellent. Good to see you guys. Got a bit of a ringing, but I'm sure they're going to fix it up. Um, guys love Jesus. Amen. Yes, good. <laughs> yes definitely. Now, because uh, those that don't know Jim and Maria, they're probably the best looking Greeks <laughs> in the house. <laughs> You're the daughter. Like, seriously. But uh, it's great to, to uh, find out about how Jesus has touched your life. And it's, it's important to notice sometimes, you know, you look at people and, you know, they, their lives seem to be really going well and blessed, but there was a before the blessed time. Absolutely. And, and so this morning we're going to hear from, and the first question, Maria and Jim, uh, can you share about your upbringing, life, like a, you know, you want to go first? Ladies first. Ladies first. Um, grew up in a Greek home. Father very strict. I was um, never allowed to go out or the only friends I could have were Greek. Um, oh, sorry. <laughs> um, knew there was a God. Very religious family. Went to church on Christmas and Easter and every other feast day and whatever. Uh, so I knew God was real. Not real. I knew he existed. Um, but I could never work out the relationship between God and Jesus. I remember at Easter, we'd go to a midnight mass and you know, I'd see Jesus on the cross and I'd think, well, how does this work with God? So I never had a question about if there was a God. There was a God. So that was my upbringing. Did you, how was it with your relationship with your mum and dad? Good? Uh, pretty good. I was the only girl. Um, we love girls. <laughs> Amongst four boys, uh, it was a very male-dominated family. Um, the girl did what she was told and I did. Um, but I had a good relationship with mum and dad. They loved me, provided for me and, uh, yeah. So just a little bit of insight because I'm from Cyprus, so in case they were Greek Cypriot, we're, we're the upper class of Greek Cypriot. <laughs> but, but can I just, because I know, because I've got a sister, so I know... Um, were you brought up like in your classic Greek girl, cooking? Cooking, Look cleaning, after your man. Cooking, cleaning, after my brothers. Um, make sure that all their needs were met, their clothes, their everything, all food. I'd be dusting and that was, and, you know, I was taught to embroider and do all the girly stuff. So wow. sort of grooming me to marry a good Greek boy. <laughs> Or old man. Yes. <laughs> my big fat Greek wedding is my life. Yeah. <laughs> that's yes. a documentary. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's so true. Because I remember seeing my sister, she wasn't allowed out. Like, mm. 
Were you allowed out at all? Only with Greeks and at a certain age. Wow. Um, only with Greeks and with Greeks that my parents knew. Wow. Jim? Yes? Uh, <laughs> you're the opposite because I know Greek boys and how they get looked after. That's right. But, um, well, yes and no. Um, same Greek, grew up Greek family, spoke Greek at home, spoke English outside the house. And so there was very much, uh, I had, my father was quite strict. Um, he was also very, what's the word? Violent. He was, um, if we broke a glass or did something wrong, we wouldn't get a smack and sent to our room, we'd be beaten. And so I'd be beaten regularly as well as my other brothers would. And so growing up, I learned to hate my father. And unfortunately, uh, when, when I got to 18 or 19, I just vehemently hated dad, like with a passion. And so, um, you know, to the point of, I don't know if I should share this. You can share whatever you want. Um, well, my father, when I was about 20 or 21, had a heart attack. And, um, and my mother was begging me to help him, and I was refusing to. And that's, how, that's, the, that's the depth of hatred I had for my father. I just didn't care if he lived or died. And so, unfortunately, that grew into um, violence within me. Um, I tried to curb that by doing martial, art, martial arts because that's supposed to you know, deal with your, your anger. It doesn't. It just equips you. And so I became a violent man, very violent, um, especially as a you know, late teen in my 20s. And so, um, yeah, it wasn't no. a picture. Man. Aren't you glad God didn't answer your prayer about Because uh, I know you prayed that God would just take your dad, right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, see how the Lord looks after you, mate? Because if you took him when you were asking, see, sometimes God doesn't answer prayer and you should thank God for not answering prayer. Sometimes right. we always question. Imagine he answered Jim's prayer, just take him. You'd, you'd be guilty for the rest of your life. God sees the bigger picture. That's right. Yeah. And so, typical Greek homesake, was your mum looking after you, mate, like every other Greek boy? Yeah, she'd sharpen my pencils when I was a kid. Yeah. Pick, pick and, uh, up after me. Pick him. up after me. Like, if I dropped the clothes at home, yeah. She, she did all the washing, cooking, cleaning. I don't know how to iron a shirt. Even today, no Greek boy does. No so Greek boy does. My son that. does. Does he? <laughs> well, well, Nick's, Nick's not here, so it doesn't count. <laughs> but, but it, it is true. We really get mothered, don't we? we get like spoiled. It's, it's, yeah. it's spoiled. And so, how did how did you guys meet? At Greek school. <laughs> like all good Greek kids, go to Greek go school to Greek after school. English school. Yep. Two days a week. Right. So that's where we met. And plus our, our mums were seamstresses and so and we lived in the same area. Actually here, I lived on Targo Road and Jim lived on Mandoon Road. And they were seamstresses, so they knew each other because they were in the same trade. So we'd see each other at uh, get-togethers like family dues and yeah. community things. So we met, we knew of each other. We've known each other for 50 years. Mm. Wow. Not that we were dating for them, but no. we, we knew each other. Each other yes. Yeah, for 50 years. So the, the parents knew each other. They yeah. knew, so did they try to set you guys up at all? No. No, 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 <laughs> at all. no. 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 Jim wasn't marriage material. 
I had, uh, they were setting me up with older men that could provide uh, a home and a security and a future. Do you want that? <laughs> <laughs> True. I spent my money on drugs and cars. Yes. So, and they so, knew it. Did, so, Marie, met, met, sorry, Marie wouldn't get into my car. I had a charger. Oh. And she wouldn't get in my car because I had a bit of a reputation at the time. <laughs> So, so did you so were you going off the rails at this time? How like when you were young? Yeah, yeah, like um, heavily into drugs, um, mainly pot, but um, tried other stuff, and basically was to deaden the pain, deaden the pain of, of the young man. And look, I don't care what anyone says. Whoever takes drugs is just trying to kill the pain of something in their lives. Mm, mm. And um, that's what I was doing. Plus, I was very violent. With, um, so, Maria, when you met him, when you met him, did you know that he was into all this stuff? Yes. And you uh, still liked him? Yes. <laughs> See, I thought he was hot. <laughs> I was skinnier. Then. I was skinnier. Then. I never. I wasn't going to say a word, but I just. So, yes. okay, so. You wouldn't get in his car. I mean, it was a charger. You, should have, you shouldn't even thought twice about that. You should have just got in. Um, and so he, he, but what did you, what did you like about him? Because he was like. Well, I think it was much of rebellion in me. Oh, yes. The controlling upbringing, being the good Greek girl, cooking clean, making sure I was, you know, perfect. But I wasn't loved. My parents loved me as they knew how to love. Food on the table, a roof over your head. Nice clothes, you know, everything I could, bought me a car. So they provided, and that was their way of loving me. But I wanted love that I could sit and talk to my mother and my father, have questions and, and just nut life out. But I didn't have, I wanted affection. I wanted to be cuddled, never told that I was loved or, or anything like that. So I went looking elsewhere and um, obviously go looking for Oh, he's a nice boy. I could cuddle up next to him and we can go out and have fun and, and all that. Your parents, did they like Jim? No, because they knew he had a reputation amongst the Greek community. And they probably would have said, Maria, don't go anywhere near the Jim one. Huh? <laughs> I remember once he had sent me flowers for I don't know what reason. Oh, I think it's your birthday, I think. Oh, I we were seeing each other because I'd say to Mum, I'm just going to the movies or... I'm going to a pottery Cuttery class. class. <laughs> <laughs> but I wasn't. I was making excuses to go out and see Jim. And we'd go out in a group or we'd just go each other by ourselves. But, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I was searching for love. And, you know, I found love in the hugs and kisses of Jim. And he was good looking. And so I wanted that because I never got told I was loved, never was hugged, never anything like that. So you rebelled against your parents and yes. you still dated him? Yes. So... Did your parents like Maria? They were just happy I was dating a Greek. Because <laughs> up until that point, there was no Greeks, no Greek girlfriends. Oh. Aussie, Maltese, Italian, everything but. So, <laughs> so when, when he sent me flowers, my father says, what have you done to deserve flowers? <laughs> Are you pregnant? <laughs> <laughs> So, so I yeah. seek love elsewhere. Okay, so, and then you, you started getting serious. Like, how did you get your parents to say, hey, 
when did you realize okay. I'm going to marry this amazing looking, beautiful Greek woman? Yeah, well. That's going to iron your socks and undies yeah. for the rest of your life. <laughs> like I said, we knew each other from Greek school, so from seven, eight, nine years old. And um, we were kids, so we were just at school. And then we didn't see each other for several years later, till about 17, 18. And one of my mates is Maria's cousin. And Maria would happen to be over, and I said, oh, she's blossomed. <laughs> <laughs> and we... I like that word. We sort of... <laughs> and so we, we had an attraction to one another, even though we didn't really get together at that time. Then some years later, we were at... Uh, <laughs> The Cowtex, we used to call it the big bump, big pumper. <laughs> and so we were both filling up, and she said, Oh, hi, hi. And um, then just off the cuff, I said, What are you doing tonight? Oh. She goes, Nothing. I said, You want to go to a movie? Sure. And that was the beginning of it. And um, we dated for uh, several years. And then Maria was putting the hard word on me. Hard word on you? Yeah. Maria. Well, I got busted. She got My busted. brother followed me. To, um, Followed me one afternoon, oh. and I picked him up because his charger wasn't no, was drivable. The XP it was the XP at the time. So I had to pick him up to go out. So my brother followed me, <gasps> and then the next day, my father confronted me and oh. said, "The Greek girls don't go picking up men." Yeah, so what is this Jim's intention? So the pressure was on. You need to marry. Wow. Yeah, and your parents as well. My parents, no, they butted out. Did they? And then you got married. Well, yeah, after some on and off, it was an on and off relationship. Anyway, we ended up getting married, clearly. Uh, we had two beautiful kids, Ari. One's he. One's he and Nicholas. No, he's not he, don't worry about it. He's not he, he's in Canberra. He's and, not that um, nice looking anyway. But the marriage wasn't going very well. How, how like I said, my question was, how long, like your, your marriage, how long did you start to realise your marriage was going downhill? When Nick was born, probably. After say four life. year mark, yeah. So what, you know, what happened? all I did. Sorry. What happened? Well, I wasn't feeling loved. You know, my love was like cooking, cleaning, looking after him. He was a slob. You know, <laughs> you know, it was there was not much of an affection. It's sort of all that drains. You know, young mums and all that. You have children. You're, you're working. It just I still didn't feel loved. You know, and so I. Just started. I remember opening a Bible one night because I, I couldn't sleep most nights because I was so angry and so not knowing what to do. I remember opening the Bible and I think it was Luke 14 where Jesus goes out and finds that lost sheep, leaves the 99 and goes and looks for that one. I remember praying that night saying, God, I'm lost. Come and find me. And I remember closing my Bible. I was crying and I went to bed and fell asleep. So that was my first cry out to God, realising that I needed love and I wasn't getting it from my husband and I was seeking things in the world, had to have the nice new car, had to have the nice fancy shoes, the latest phone, um, go out with girlfriends, just seeking love that way. But Mm. I was still left empty. Wow. And you, what was happening in the marriage at the time? I was just smoking pot and... Doing what I wanted, and so. Um, but having said that, Maria came around, and 
she was trying to save the save the marriage, and we started going to counselling, um, and worldly counselling doesn't help at all, but Christian counselling absolutely, but worldly counselling just didn't provide the answers that we needed, um, so we went to that for a while, but I stopped going, and then Maria started going to an Anglican church. I met a lady at playgroup. I was taking Ari to playgroup, and Nick, Nick was only there. Um, to an Anglican playgroup and the lady invited me to church. Went to, I kept going to church on a Sunday. But I still felt that I just, I don't know, I just knew there was a God, you know, there'll be worship, I hear a sermon, but it wasn't relative to me. I don't know. It's just maybe the Holy Ghost. I don't know. But um, so seeking God and still things aren't working out at home, so I thought, well, that's it, I'm leaving. So You're going to leave, Jim? Yes. Yeah, we we're, were sorting out the details. So we, we had our, you know, on the, on the peripheral, we had our jobs, full-time jobs. We had a mortgage, owned a home, you know, had two kids. And so on the outside, it looks like everything's rosy, but within ourselves, our relationship was very poor. And so all I was going to do was take my guitars in my car and head to Nimbin and smoke pot for the rest of my life. And I said to Marie, Great vision. Great vision. And Maria, you can have the house. I don't care. And so we were sorting out the details. I had gone to a solicitor for divorce, get papers written up and so on. So, But I was really torn because I felt that within the Greek community to divorce your husband was mm. a bad thing. It was yeah. shameful. But then still seeking God. So I was just like, what do I do? So then uh, um, one of our neighbours, my new neighbour moved in. And he was the pastor from a church. And we just did the neighbourly thing for a time. And he, you know, coffee, come over for a coffee and whatever. And then sometime later, he came, knocked on the door and said, um, we're having a revival at church. Would you like to come? Revival? I don't, I don't know what a revival is. But and Maria is in the back. Oh, yeah, we can go to that. I just... So you, you wanted him to go because you were hoping that yes. the Lord hope. Hope for a change. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, we didn't even think about it until the night of the revival. And so it was a Thursday night, I remember, and um and we are you gotta understand the tone of the house, swearing at each other, always aggro, always angry. And so that was how we communicated. Um and we're going to this Blipping revival or what? I don't blipping care if you want to blipping. And so, and it was really strange because within minutes, we were packed in the car and going to this revival. And um, so, just to backtrack a bit, um, back in '88, um, I was in trouble with the law, um, and so I was in trouble with the police, and I was doing some stuff. But I cried out to God at the time, and God really met with me. But because all my mates split, I, I didn't go to a church. So I just read the Bible on my own in my bedroom, and God met with me in my bedroom. But because I didn't have that fellowship, relationship with other Christians, I slowly fell away. So fast forward to the revival night, we walk in, and I just said to Maria, God's here. And I said, where? 
But anyway, so we sat through the sermon, and I remember the sermon quite clearly. It was um, um, Mark or Matthew where Jesus, Jesus says, what would it benefit a man, profit a man, if he gains a whole world but loses his soul? Or what would a man give in exchange for his soul? And for some reason, that scripture just narrowed to my heart. It just really cut me. And, um, and I'm just feeling all these strange emotions. And then um, altar call came. So everyone bow your heads. First time, okay. <laughs> just bow my head. And um, the, the preacher's giving an altar call. And he says, if you're a sinner, you know, you know put your hand up and you pray. And so, I'm not a sinner. <laughs> and so then... Um, Should ask Maria. <laughs> yeah. And uh, then he said something to the effect of, um, if you've broken God's law or something, you know, put your hand up. I said, well, yeah, that's me. So, but meantime, my heart's racing and I'm just feeling, I don't know what I'm feeling. And I quickly put my hand up and he goes, you know, I saw that hand. And so it wasn't just me, it was other people who prayed as well. And then it was like I was in a bubble. And uh, it's like I, I couldn't hear or see anything. And my heart's just pounding out of my chest. And I have no idea why this is happening. And then um, the preacher says, um, if you want to pray, come to the front. Those who put your hand up, come to, come to the front, which I did. And I went to the front of the altar and I knelt down straight away. And the guy came and started praying, praying me through a sinner's prayer. So he's put, put his hand on my back. And as he's praying, I could feel like a heat coming out of his hand. And I remember a scripture that I had read and it said, test the spirits, whether they are of God. And within my own mind, I said, if this is you, Satan, no way. But if this is God, all the way. And as soon as I said that in my mind, this heat just released throughout my whole body. And I was just on fire inside. And it was just, I was aflame and sweating profusely and just swimming in this, this heat. And when I got up from that altar, they said, so how do you feel, Jim? Just <laughs> massive smile. Praise God. So how do you feel? Praise God. <laughs> That's all I could say for I don't know how long. That's all I could yeah, say. Amazing. That's born again. Being yeah. impacted by the power of God. Amazing. Yeah. And That's so you, were you in that meeting? I was in that meeting, and while he was down the front praying, a lady came to me and said, how do you feel about your husband giving his life to Jesus? If anyone needs it, he does. <laughs> <laughs> so that was that. <laughs> the service finished, we went home. Um, I threw out all my drugs. And I thought he was going crazy. Night. What are you doing? <laughs> because you Maria mad? used to smoke the drugs as well. Oh. <laughs> Used to. Oh, so it wasn't just you wasn't just toking. <laughs> you toked together. Yes. yes. A family so, that tokes together doesn't last. <laughs> so I saw a change in Jim. Um, his swearing stopped and that was sort of like a little thing for me to back at him, but that stopped. I had nothing to bounce off. Um, just completely different man. Like you see, black. He was white the next mm. day, or well, that night. And I thought, what is going on here? <laughs> you know, he has totally lost it. 
I remember we had gone on holidays just after he got saved and he said, I don't know about you, you don't, I don't care what you do, following, I'm, following I'm following Jesus. Jesus. Oh, that's it, he's lost it. Yeah. What am I going to do? Um, so it would have been three weeks before I gave my life to Jesus, but I saw a change in my husband. Stop swearing, drugs are gone. Um, plus in that time I was going to church with him after he got saved and I'd never sit in the pews. I'd sit right at the back on the floor playing with Mick. Mick was only two. And um, I remember the altar calls and it was like Jesus was standing up the front and he was saying to me, I'm throwing this lifesaver out to you, Maria. Take it and I will pull you in. And I knew that that was true, that I would be safe. But all I could think about was my girlfriends, partying, nice clothes, nice shoes, a nice car, just being cool and being seen. And that's what I thought. I thought, no, because I could envisage me reaching out and grabbing that lifesaver and, and being called in. But I, I could actually, I said no. And so there was a number of weeks I'd still go to church and just not be there but not be there. So there was one day in that time, in that moment of time, my sister-in-law was passing away. She had breast cancer and I was helping look after her. She and my, my brother were well off, business, cars, homes, holidays, you name it, they had it. But I saw that my sister-in-law still had to face death. It was like, it was my, my outlook was like, yeah, live, work, have this, have that, da-da-da-da. But she still had to face death. And she died. And in all that, that's another story, but I saw that she had to face death and I thought, what am I doing? It was like a light bulb moment. What am I doing? And I remember one day ringing Jim up and I'm saying, is there midweek service on tonight? And he goes, yes. He says, well, I want to go. <laughs> so he says, okay. He says, you come home and look after the kids and I'm going by myself. So okay, so he was running late. But all day I was tormented. It was like looking back, it was the devil in my ear saying, you're never meant to be saved. You have no soul. You don't deserve to go to heaven. You're a sinner. This was going on all day. And then Jim was running late for work, um, coming home that day and I was, I said, that's it, I'm going to hell. I'm never going to be in the presence of God. This is just not going to happen for me. And he came home and said, where have you been? <laughs> says, Chill out, services are for another hour. Oh, good. So I got in the car, went to a midweek service by myself. I don't even remember the sermon. All I remember is at the end of the sermon there was an altar call and that I was wanting to give my life to Jesus, and that's what I did. Gave my life to Jesus, and my experience in salvation was, as I was praying repentance and asking Jesus into my life, I had a vision. It was like I was a little girl, and I was in dirty rags, and I was chained, and I was trying to climb a mountain. And I remember when I said amen, the vision was that I stood up, and my chains were broken and I could stand. And so since then, it's just a different story. It was a process. Um, there was, we learned to love the way Jesus loves. We, um, there was a lot of things we had to forgive one another for. 
And um, if I could counsel any marriage, forgiveness is the key. And there's no no sin that cannot be forgiven. And so, and that forgiveness doesn't come from here. Yes, it's a miracle. It comes from Jesus. That's right. So we, we had to forgive. We had to deal with a lot of things. We had to deal with, um, you know, the sins of each other. And then we, we, we forgave one another and we started to love one another. Love the way Jesus, Jesus loves. loves yeah. As before, the worldly love is... Um, you know, buying this and buying that and feeling this and, and, you know, expecting from each other or from the other party. But knowing Jesus' love is a sacrificial love to choose to love my husband. Not if he did this and if he did that and if he gave me this, that's when I love him. No, like Jesus' unconditional love. I choose to love him. Wow. So after salvation, I mean, the story doesn't finish at salvation. Um, but um, as I mentioned, that I didn't have a good relationship with my father. And God spoke to me very soon after I got saved that, um, Jim, you need to forgive your father. Me? No, he needs to ask me for forgiveness. Yeah. So anyway, after some struggle, personally, you know, internal struggle, I went to my father and said, Dad, I forgive you. He goes, for what? <laughs> and I said, it's not for you. I didn't say this, but it wasn't for him. It was for me. So I forgave my father because of all the you know, previous life that we had. And then sometime later, he also asked me, God asked me, to honour him. You're kidding me. He did this. I've got to... Anyway, so I was obedient to that. And I will say that I lived a lifetime with my father, closeness, love, affection, for the two years before he passed. Wow, it's amazing. You know what? This is where Jesus says, unless a person be born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. This is a born again. Like, people say, you know, it's you guys trying to better yourselves and, you know, like like you said about the counselling. But a person has to have an experience with God to change because you weren't looking at the old Jim and you're not no. looking at the old Maria. They're no. completely new creations. And this is the beauty of knowing Jesus. He makes you a new creation. The old has passed away, the Bible says. And so pretty awesome, great testimony. Can we just mention two more things? Two. Two more. Sure. Okay. Um, Jesus healed us physically, the whole family. Ari was blind in one eye. Mm. And... Um, I can't remember which eye it was, but uh, one <laughs> of the eyes. Now. And they were patching the good eye to try and strengthen the weak eye, but it was ruining the good eye. And so um, Jesus healed her of that. Um, we had it prayed for. We had it prayed for, yep. Went back to the doctors um, and said, yep, she's Perfect healed. eyes. And she doesn't wear glasses now. Nicholas had bronchiolitis as a baby. Um, he was on a puffer. Three times a day. Ventilator. Ventilator thing for um, I don't know how long. Again, we get saved. Get prayed for. Prayed for. Jesus healed Nicholas. Yeah. I had ulcers, stomach ulcers. Um, same thing. Healed. In the, in the prayer line, yeah. Jesus healed me. Maria had... Um, Back pain. I had, Jesus yeah. healed me. So there's... And in our marriage as well, if I could add, um, that... 
it wasn't, it was a progression. It, it slowly trusting Jesus, well, trusting Jesus first that to trust that my husband would be the husband that Jesus wanted him to be. Mm. So it's, and I still believe that. I still trust Jesus, that Jesus will continue to do a good work in my husband. So it's, it's a progression. I mean, we've been married 33 years. We've been saved 25 years. 25. And it's been a great progression. It, there's marriages that it happens instantly and there's a miracle, but these little miracles in our marriage has continued and I believe will continue. Yeah, amen. 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 Praise God. That's amen. so good. Let's give it up. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Good on you. Awesome. So good. Um, absolutely amazing the transformation that uh, God can do and he can do it in your life he can do it and he does it it's crazy because God does it individually and he does it together as, as a couple and, and, and you know the Bible says nothing is too difficult for God and sometimes people come into, into church life and they've got so much rubbish and bondages and all this stuff that's going on in your life and you know what? God, Jesus, can break and set free absolutely any addiction, sin, bondage. He can do it. And I said something to somebody on the, during the week. They said, oh, I don't know if God's ever going to deliver me from this thing. Can I tell you this? Jesus came across a person that was so strong. He was demon-possessed, okay? He was so strong when these demons used to come upon him. He used to rip chains off. And Jesus walked up to him and he said, if you know the story, he says, he says to the demon, what's your name? And he says, my name's Legion, which means many. Right? There was so many demons in that guy and Jesus spoke one word and delivered him. Don't tell me that God cannot deliver you from what's going on in your life. He, he deals with the supernatural powerfully with the word he delivers people. The, the thing that we get mixed up with sometimes it's what Maria said, that some of us come into a place and we want God just to put his hand on us and deliver us immediately. And it does happen to people. It's happened to me. But I've seen other people where they've come and, and God has to do this character change in them progressively, moving things, and he deals with it just slightly and he removes. And the thing is, you've just got to stay the course. You've got to stay the course. You've got to commit and give your life to Christ 100%, don't back away, don't give half your heart, don't give half of your, your mind and all that. Just give fully to God and He will do what He said He will do. And so let's stand up this morning.